0: I don't usually like to, to call people out like this but I couldn't help but to notice Meredith, you look a little bit peckish is that you look, here, hold on, let me. I have something for you here potato chips? enjoy a potato chip here, help yourself Lay's classic potato Jerry? Jerry's like peckishness in human form seven, you like potato chips? Oh have a potato chip you know what I'm thinking? Today is a, a potluck Sunday, isn't it? And on potluck Sundays, we like to sh- have our best cooking selves show force. And so, let me doctor these up a little bit for you, okay? I'll just, let me put a little something on this for you. That's uh, so what I got here. I have Fluker's freeze-dried crickets. So let me just. Oh yeah! Oh look at oh that oh that looks great, doesn't it? Okay, so. Meredith, would you, would you like a chip? Jerry, would you, would you like a chip? <laughs> Stephanie, would you like a... Well, you know, if, you, if you're not into crickets, you can always just kind of pick it up and blow off the antennas and the, the eyeballs and the legs and the wings. Or, you know, it hasn't touched them all. You can get some from the bottom of the bowl. Okay, of course not. Of course not. Of course he doesn't want these crickets. Because that is how our brains are wired, right? So so in our brains, if something that we perceive of as bad comes into contact with something we perceive of as good, we perceive that good thing as having become contaminated. Right? So we don't want to eat the chips that have touched the grasshoppers, even though you could just blow off the little grasshopper heads. No big deal. But interestingly, this phenomenon does not work in reverse. Okay, so right here, I have a bowl of crickets. Right? right? A, a nasty, disgusting bowl of crickets. But it, over here, I have these really good, tasty, Lay's classic potato chips. These are totally good in everybody's imagination, right? But I put them here, and suddenly, we do not want to eat the crickets, right? We do not believe that the crickets have been infected with the goodness of this potato chip, do we? No one's going to reach in a- a- and grab some of these crickets. Not at all. That's not how our brains work. Now, from an evolutionary perspective, that makes a lot of good sense, right? So, if we're eating a a mastodon drumstick and we notice a speck of mold on it, we're going to just throw it away, right? It's not in our best interest to eat that drumstick. If we're going to eat a bowl of cherries and we see a cockroach running around on it, we're going to throw away that bowl of cherries. It's in our best interest. This way of thinking, this pattern of thought, it keeps us healthy and it keeps us alive. And nine times out of ten, most of your life, this is a very good way of perceiving the world. But the problem in this morning's story is that this way of thinking ha- has been used in the realm, it's being used in the realm of human morality. And it has some pretty dire consequences when we apply this thinking to the realm of human morality. So here's how how our story goes. Jesus is continuing on in his preaching ministry in Galilee. And he's walking from one preaching gig to another. And along the way, he passes a toll booth. And in the toll booth, he sees a young man collecting tolls. The young man's name is Levi. And that is all the detail we are told about this young man. But it turns out, that is actually a lot of information. We learn a lot about who this man is, just from those small details. So being a, a toll collector back in Jesus' day, it wasn't a normal job that you apply to and then get paid a wage every week. The way the Roman system worked is, is that every once in a while, the Roman government would auction off contracts, and if you bid enough and were, were able to purchase a contract you would win the right to collect a toll in a particular place for a particular length of time. So, for instance, if Medford was holding one of these sales, you could buy a contract that would let you set up a toll booth out there on North Street, and you'd be allowed to collect a toll from people going either way for, let's say, a period of a year. That's how this system works. But at the point that that contract was bought from the Roman government, the Roman government received all the money they were going to get. They weren't involved in the business of collecting tolls. So the toll collector made their money by setting up their toll booth, and from the tolls that they collected alone, they had to earn back the money that they initially paid for the contract, and then they had to earn a little more to make some profit for themselves. And the way that they did that was by jacking up the toll prices. So if you can imagine getting on Route 90 and what, how much does it cost to go between exits? Like a couple bucks. And all of a sudden, that toll is now $10 for every exit you go. Right? So that's what toll collectors did. So from this system, what we know of this toll system, uh, we know we can learn a couple things about this Levi character. The first thing we know Uh, is that he was a very wealthy man. You had to have a significant amount of capital, you had to have a lot of money in the bank, in order to be able to purchase one of these contracts in the first place. So that's the first thing we know about him. The second thing that we know about him, is that he had to be very willing and open to basically turning his back on his countrymen. So, Levi was a Jew, and what he was doing in becoming a toll collector was he was working for for the oppressive occupying force that was the Roman government. He was a sellout, he was a turncoat, and all of his fellow Jews would have known that. And number three, the third thing that we know about this Levi, is that because of number one, and because of number two, number three, he would have been very, very Hated and despised by his countrymen. They would have seen him as an ethnic traitor. They would have seen him as a manipulative one percenter who was growing his wealth on the back of the peasants who were going back and forth using this road. So, from the Jewish perspective, the perspective of his Jewish countrymen, this guy was the lowest of the low. He was a sinner among sinners. He was a cockroach in the Jewish moral universe. Nonetheless, as Jesus is walking by and he sees this young man in the toll booth, he does not swear at him like all his countrymen are doing. He does not cast shade at him like his more passive-aggressive countrymen are doing to him. Instead, Jesus says to him, follow me. And he does. This ethnic traitor, this manipulative one-percenter drops what he's doing, walks out of his toll booth, and follows Jesus. And that, the scripture tells us, is how Jesus came to start sharing his home and start sharing his table with a moral cockroach and all of his moral cockroach friends. Now, of course, when the religious elite, when the Pharisees and the scribes caught wind of the people that Jesus was hanging out with, uh, they were a little shocked. Quite frankly, they were a little disgusted. Uh, But what we need to know here is that it's not because the Old Testament says that Jews can't hang out with sinners. The Old Testament doesn't say that Jews can't share a table with Gentiles or anyone else for that matter. So long as you abide by the dietary laws, you can eat with whoever you want. But rather, it was the culture and the custom of the time that said you can't share your table with such people. And in fact, at the time, there there was a book. It was called the Book of Jubilee. Jubilees, rather, it's plural. And it was widely read by the the Jews of Jesus' day and all the early Christians. Uh, However, it ultimately wasn't compiled into the Bible when they were deciding which books made the cut and which didn't. Uh, But in this book of Jubilees, it says explicitly that you should not share your table with such people because they are defiled and contaminated. And if you share your table with them, you will become defiled and contaminated. That is, their moral badness is going to contaminate your moral goodness. And these are the people that Jesus was eating with. And when the Pharisees noticed, they they started talking about Jesus. And they started spreading rumors of, did you hear who was at Jesus' house last night? Can you believe he's eating with such people? Now, when Jesus heard these rumblings, he wasn't one to back away from confrontation. So he, he went to the Pharisees and he said, paraphrasing, of course, he says, don't you get it? Obviously, you don't get it. I'm not here to slap a patch on the raggedy old coat that is your delicate sense of holiness. Right? I'm here to give you a new coat, says Jesus. I'm not here to use your stanky old wineskin that is your fragile sense of righteousness, says Jesus. I'm here to give you a new And although it goes against everything you believe, although it goes against your culture and your customs, although it goes against the way that your brain is hardwired to perceive this world, what I'm here to do is show you that God's love does not get contaminated by sinners. It is sinners that get contaminated with God's love. Right? That's what Jesus said is saying he's saying it's god's love that is going to undo their greed it's god's love that is going to undo their self-righteousness their self-centeredness It's god's love that that is going to undo their pride and their hatred and their violence and that is why i and my disciples says jesus are not afraid to, to sit with these people we have nothing to fear, and they have nothing or they have everything, rather. They have everything to gain. A doctor doesn't come to heal healthy people. A doctor comes to heal the sick. Now I know this is a horrible way to end a sermon before a potluck, but I couldn't think of another way to say this. Uh, so I'm going to put it like this, friends. May we who know God's love in Christ Jesus, may we be like mold on a mastodon drumstick. May we who know and love God in the way of Jesus, may we be like a cockroach on a bowl of cherries. May we who know and love God, who is revealed to us in Christ Jesus, May we be like freeze-dried crickets on a bowl of Lay's classic potato chips. And may we contaminate all those around us with the infectious, glorious, and gracious love of God. In the name of Jesus, Amen.